to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. first chapter of Colossians, we finish it today, Colossians 1.15 starts off talking of Jesus Christ. Actually, we can back up into verse 13. It says, he delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his, of the son of his love, speaking of Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We spoke on that a couple of weeks ago too, talking about why there was a blood sacrifice, why there was necessary. It was set up in Leviticus. We talked about that. Do you guys remember that? And the importance of that and why Jesus now being the perfect sacrifice, it was no longer a blood covering of our sins so that God could see us. It was a blood completely washing and, and taking away our sins completely. Verse 15, again, as Paul is now attacking the heresy that's entering this church in Colossae, he says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on the earth, that are visible, that are invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him all, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind of wicked works, yet now he has reconciled you. And the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill, you, fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which was hidden from ages and generations and now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known that the, the, what are the riches of the glory of the, his, of the ministry mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. Now, there's a lot here to cover today, uh, but again, I just didn't want to break it up because then it's kind of hard to come back next week. So I will do my best to get through this. And you're like, Kevin, it's only 10 verses. But but really, as you read this, there's a lot that's going on here. There's a lot of different topics that Paul is trying to to talk to us about, to, to broach as far as what's going on. 
Again, as we talked about last week, verses 15 through 18, it was talking about the, the preeminence of who Jesus Christ was. Paul, again, as we, again, we're talking about the Gnostics. The Gnostics were coming into this church and they were trying, trying to, again, their religion was knowledge. Again, saying that there was the spirit, the body, and the soul. And again, the spirit and the body, those were evil, but the soul was the one that was in heaven somehow, that you needed to free that through knowledge. And that's how you became uh, that's how you became saved or if you gained it. And so again, they were attacking Jesus saying that, well, there's no way that Jesus could be a God because why? Because he has a body. He has a spirit. There's no way that he could have done that, right? We talked about this. And so Paul last week and in verse, well, not last week, well, last week to us, not last week to Paul, but 2000 years ago, Paul said, he goes, Jesus, he's the image of the invisible God. He is God. I'm telling you right now, there's, there's no difference. So when you worship Jesus, you're worshiping God. We did communion last week and in remembrance of what Jesus had done for us on the cross. And again, it wasn't that we were actually eating his body. We weren't actually drinking his blood. The fact was, is that we had to take part in what Jesus had done for us. That's the reason. It's for us to look and understand who Jesus is, that he really was God. He wasn't born in Bethlehem. He was from the beginning. Remember in John, we talked about that too. The word was in the beginning and the word became flesh. The word becoming flesh was Jesus Christ himself. And so we spoke of Jesus last week and we spoke through him as the redemptive blood. It's the forgiveness of sins. It's the forgiveness of all of our sins. See, none of us in this room are perfect. None of us in this room have, have walked through our life in a perfect manner, have, have lived a sinless not life. The only one to have done that would be Jesus. But he was able to do that. Why? Well, he was God. That makes it kind of easier, right? So even when, when Satan tempted Jesus on the mountaintop and he tried to give him, you know, tempted him with different things, you know, Jesus is like, man, I'm, I'm not going to fall for that. We would have fallen for that. I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. You know, some of us in this room this morning would have perked up and go, what? You know, I can have, I can have the world. I can be in charge of everything. Jesus says, no. Why? Because I'm already king of kings, lord of lords. Why do, why do I need this? This morning, as we move into verse 19, it says, for it pleased the father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. It pleased God. It, to, to please is to make pleasure in. It's, it's the same word that's used in Matthew 3.17. It says, And suddenly Jesus, when he's being baptized by John the Baptist, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God looking down on his Son as he's being baptized, Jesus coming out of the water, and it's this please, it's this, it's to take pleasure in. It's, it's the same thing as if you have a child to be able to look at your, your son or your daughter and just to be, just to be pleased in them. They give me such pleasure. I was reading, you know, on Facebook, they have all the, you know, the memories from a year ago or two years ago, five years ago, nine years ago, all those kinds of things. And, and so I really, that's really what I try to look for now. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't stalk as much as I, my wife calls me a stalker, but I just, I, I just kind of look at just the memories now. That's all that I look at, you know? Why? Because it's, it brings me such pleasure to look back and just see different posts and pictures of my kids when they were little. I mean, I love them now, but they were a lot cuter then, you know? And so it's, you know, you look at them and you're just like, they were just adorable, you know? Why they just, they give you such pleasure and they just, 
It's just to be pleased. And Father, and the Father looking down and saying, you know, for it pleased the Father that in Him all fullness, all abundance, all, all the abundance of, of just taking everything in. It's the same word again as John 1 16 from, from the fullness we have received all grace upon grace. Let me read that again in the ESV. It's for from His fullness, we have re- all received grace upon grace. It's from Jesus that we've received this grace. All, all the fullness, everything that could possibly be stacked into Jesus is there. It's an abundance. It's, it's, so it's, as we move into that verse, it continues. It says, for it pleased, it gave, it gave satisfaction that the Father might in Him, all the fullness should dwell. And that word is, is more of a, it's a permanent dwelling. It's not just a, it dwells in there shortly and it moves out. It's a permanent dwelling. So then as we go back into the previous verses, well, in verse 15, we see this. Why? Because he's the image of God. Verse 15, again, it's, he's the firstborn of all creation. Verse 16, it's, he's the creator, Jesus of all things. Verse 17 is, he's preexistent. Okay. He, he preexisted everything. And in verse 18, he's the head of the church. Well, so this, as it, it, it brought him, so that he's the image of God, so that everything, the fullness should dwell within Jesus. Again, as Paul's speaking here, he's talking to this church, again, trying to warn them as far as, look, when this other group of people come into your church and they're trying to bring down who the substance and the foundation of who Jesus Christ is, I'm telling you right now, no, there's the fullness and abundance of who he was is there. It's God. Jesus is deity. Again, if Paul's attacking this church and, and for us, as we, we continue to move through our lives and, you know, as you, again, as, as I've said in the past, I'll look at the comments under different people's things at times and they, they reference to the Bible as far as a, it's an old fairy tale. It's an old wise tale. It's, it's not truth. But again, as you, you look at the Bible, it's still consistent today. I know some will say that it's not, but I, I, I tell you that they continue to find things that they found in the Bible as far as historical things. You look at science. Science doesn't disprove the Bible. It actually continues to prove the different things that happen within the Bible. You know, there are parts in the Psalms that talk about underwater currents within the ocean. That was written 4,000 years ago. They didn't know what currents under the ocean was. But you can find it in the book of Psalms. How does that happen? Well, it's because it's an insight from God to that writer to be able to write about that. I mean, it's just not a, a happening. You wouldn't even know that there was a wave with underneath the, the currents of the ocean until you actually were able to be able to see it, which we are today. So as we move again, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Verse 20 says, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. And again, reconciles to bring back to a former state of harmony. It's not an e-harmony here. We're not talking about a dating site just for some of you guys who are thinking that. But it's a former state of harmony. It's to bring everything together. It's to have peace. Ephesians 2, 14 and 16 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Again, remember the, the temple had that, 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 that wall between us and God. And, and again, when Jesus died, that veil was torn from the top to the bottom having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man whom the two thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God 
and one body through the cross, thereby putting to death enmity. So through Jesus' death on the cross, it, it, it took away the war. There was a war between us and God. Not too much of a war because he would just flick us and we'd be gone. But there was a war. There was a battle between, a spiritual battle between us and God. And God saying, look, I'm pure and holy and I created you and I love you. But I can't be in your presence because of the, the sin. This is stopping us from having re- relationship here. And so through Jesus' blood, again, it's, it's the reconciliation. It's the redemption of our relationship. And so when we reconcile, we're able to come back to that harmony that Adam and Eve had walking with God through the, the forest. Being able to just talk and have a relationship and conversation. And by Him to reconcile all things to Him by, by Him, or the things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. When you read this, it doesn't imply that everyone is saved here, that whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of it doesn't, doesn't mean that everybody is saved here. This is not a universalistic kind of message where, oh no, God is just everybody is saved. You know, again, you hear that again sometimes in churches or that, oh, go, God is love. Well, everybody's going to go to, there's actually pastors who say, well, no, I, I don't believe in hell because God is love. Well, everybody's going to go to heaven. Well, then why are we doing this? Why do we have a Bible? Why do we have sin? Why did Jesus die on the cross? There has to be consequences. If, if I've chosen not to follow the rules of God and I've decided not to follow the, 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 the decisions of what God has asked me to do and the commandments and I've sinned against him, then why should I then re- have the reward of what God is offering me in heaven? There has to be something that then cleans that and washes it away. And again, if I don't want to play the game and I don't want to be part of the rules, then how can I then take in the the victory and the glory? does not imply that everyone is saved. And you see this in Philippians 3, 18 through 21, and 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 through 10, Paul talking about this. But Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, says, "Enter Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there many will go, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. You know, again, I say, I don't just say that for the world to understand that. I say that for Christians. I say that for the church that, hey, look, some of you, the church is talking about, and they won't live a life that's worthy of Jesus Christ. They'll show up on Sunday. They'll, they'll have the Christian conversation. They'll, they'll act like they're saved, but then they'll go on and they'll live their life as just as a heathen as the rest of the world. I say that's worse than if you were a heathen and just living for whatever you wanted to, is it not? You know, Jesus says, look, I, I wish you were either hot or cold, but man, you're lukewarm. Lukewarm is the worst. I mean, you ever drink just lukewarm water? Christine will drink whatever watch didn't care but it, like lukewarm water i'm like oh my gosh this is disgusting you know and you're just like get this out of my mouth and jesus is the same way jesus is on my side on that he said look don't drink lukewarm water it's bad he's looking at your life and he's saying look make a decision you can either follow follow me man i pray i am so happy come into the kingdom walk with me or then just live without me so many times that I even look back in my own life when I was living without Christ and, and just as my life continued to go down and down and down and just at some point you just get to that rock bottom and you're like, you know what, Lord, I, I'm tired of fighting. 
I, again, it's not so that I can, again, get physical things and money and, again, live on Siesta Key and drive a Ferrari and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's the point that I can just have peace in my heart, have peace in my mind that, that the relationship with God and the understanding of who you are is just, is at ease, that I have harmony now. That I've, I've looked at you and the, the reconciliation between the two of us has happened. Why? Because I understand what your son has done for me. I understand that I had committed sins and I still do today. And, and that you, through your son's blood that it just washed me clean. And that, God, I can just, when I'm going through those times, I can just come into your presence and just lay them down at your feet. And as a good dad, you just take me in and you, you allow me to have conversation with you and you pour into my life and you, you bring others alongside just to, to continue to help me in that walk. Well, that's reconciliation. Again, we have peace through the blood of the cross. And again, we understand that the, the demand of the law that we have discussed before has it's, it's been satisfied. We see this in Romans 3 and Galatians 3 that peace has been made through Jesus' blood. The harmony has been established between the two of us. So we have reconciliation. And, and, and Paul then looks at them and says, Hey, Colossians, man, I've, I've got great news for you guys. We move into verse 21 and it, it says, And you, Colossians, guys... Once you, you, who once were alienated and, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet have now rec- been, re- has been reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which has been preached to every creature, creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. It says, you once were alienated. Again, you once were, you were shut out from the one's fellowship and, and, and the intimacy. You were, you were once alienated. You were cut off from having that relationship that I just described with God. Why? Because it was impossible. Again, because of the sin that was, you were enemies. You were hostile. You were hating and you were opposing. Again, so many times you'll see in the world just, just the hostile and the mean things that are said about God. That probably we once as well spoke. We hand up or held up our hands and our fists towards God. How dare you do this? This country won't give God any credit for the things that are good, but any time that something happens bad, it's an act of God. So God is God is only a God when bad things happen. But the miracles that happen, oh no, well that's just an, a coincidence. Oh, a doctor did that. Oh, this happened. Again, so we won't, we won't praise the Lord for the good, good things that happen. But man, if a hurricane comes, it's, a, it's an act of God. Why? Because we've, we're shut off from the fellowship and we're, we're hostile and we're hating and we're opposing. And this too was us at one point too. And, and as you were once alienated in enemies and in your mind by wicked works... Paul spoke the same thing to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2 1 he says and you and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin the beautiful thing is that he again he made us alive while we were dead in our trespasses and sin Jesus came along and, and, and saved us 
It was that work that he did with inside of us that, that again, changed the, the course of our destiny, that changed the course of our attitude in life. You know, it talks in the Old Testament of giving you a, taking your heart of stone and giving you a heart of flesh. That you're no longer cold to the things of the world anymore. That when you see something that happens, you, you, you mourn over it. There's a loss of life. You're, you're, you're affected. Why? Why? Because I look at that and I'm like, oh my goodness. I, it, it kills me to look. It, there was an article on Fox News um, probably five, six years ago. It gets, again, continues to run through my mind. I, I'll say it's Chicago just because they have lots of shootings, but I don't know if it was Chicago or not. But there was a, they found a dad in the back. His back door had been shot, and he's dead. And his three-year-old son is curled up, sleeping there. And if, when you read something like that, you look at it and you're like, that poor three-year-old kid doesn't know anything. I just want to be safe, so I'm going to lay here with my dad. His dad who's dead. And so as you, as a Christian, as you read that, you're just, your heart just empties for that child. But the world looks at it and goes, oh, and they start yelling about gun violence and they start yelling about gang, depending on whose side you're on. And, oh, it's the gangs. Oh, it's this. It's the NRA. It's, who cares? There's a three-year-old kid here who's just looking for a safe place to sleep. And as a Christian, you look at those things in your, in your life and in your community and you just, your heart breaks. At least I hope it breaks. That again, we don't so become so cold and, and just as we continue to see so much news and influx and everybody's on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, if, if there's no newspapers anymore, why? Because if I don't know something in two minutes, then it's old news, right? I mean, it's just, oh, that happened five minutes ago. Please, where have you been? You know what I mean? At this point in our life, everything is just like da, 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 da. So I think we just become so numb to the things that happen in the world that as your Christianity, your heart, you just, you just miss it sometimes. Why? Because I can't sit there and cry all day at work for the things that are happening in this world. But it just gut wrenches you. It just hurts you. And as a Christian, we, we should. At the wicked works that happen within this world, that you should just cry out and, and cry out to the Lord, to God, just that you're, you're, you would just come down. I, I pray for a revival in this country. I pray for one last revival. Lord, just work in any... I don't care. I don't care if it's Kevin who gets the credit. I don't care who gets the credit. Lord, I want you, I want your glory to come upon this, this country and bring us back into a right stance with you. Not so that just the Ten Commandments are taken care of, but so the fact that your grace and your peace and your love would come upon this country so that neighbors would be neighbors again and not finding out what political party you are. And neighbors would be neighbors again and not just be mad because your grass is too tall. And I mean, just again, as a community, we would just love each other. And that we would look out for each other and we would help each other. And again, not just that we have peace on this earth, but that we would have peace with God. Isn't that ultimately what the goal is? It's a great reminder for us that, that we're, again, no different than anybody that's in the world. One of the commentators said that there's, there's no innocent heathen. There's no innocent heathen. And we weren't innocent when we were walking not with the Lord. Parrish Reed had, and you'll hear Don and I talk about it along, uh, several times, but... One time he said he went to, to Africa to save the heathens down there and he found out that they were monsters of inequity, you know, is his word that he actually uses. They didn't want God. They didn't have a desire for God. 
They just wanted to live in their sin. So many times, you know, and we look at the, the poor people in Africa, but look at the poor people in America. You know, we sit here and we've got everything. Like I said a couple of weeks, what, what do we not need? I mean, it just, we look at things and, you know, if you don't have it, you can kind of find some way to get it. There's countries where if you don't have it, you don't have it. Man, there's, there's no food, there's no nothing. I think at times it's worse to be here because there's no desire or no call out for God. We just look at our life and we can just kind of move through it. We can kind of find a way to get it done. And and I never have to beseech the Lord for anything. I can just power through it. Ephesians 2.3 says, And among whom also we all once conducted our our lives in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. Again, we were no different. And I think too many times, too, the church sits there and we look down our pious noses at the world and, and go, oh, I can't believe they're doing that. Oh, I can't believe they're doing that. But for the grace of God, you would be doing it with them. And again, I challenge that maybe some of us in this room are doing it as well anyways. Again, as we show up on a Sunday, we have the right handshake and the right Christianese conversation, but... But in our lives, our hearts, the Lord knows your heart. He says, oh, stop it. Would you live a life that's righteous and worthy of me? But for the grace of God and the redemption of Jesus' blood, there is no difference between us and them. The only difference right now is our destination. Yet Jesus is reconciled. Jesus has presented us holy. He's cleansed us from our sin and, and separated entirely to God in his service. Do you realize that? I mean, again, as you, as you hear that, it's, he's, he's cleansed you from your sin. It's gone. You've been separated entirely to God and his service. Ephesians 5.20 says that, that he might present her, and this is, again, this is an area, the same word that we're using here, is that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And that verse right there is actually the verse that, that Paul is talking to the husband. You know, where the husbands and wives have their responsibilities. This here is Paul talking to the husband of how Christ loves the church. You should bathe her in her word and, and that she, he might present her, his wife, to himself, a glorious church. Jesus bringing the, 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 bride, the, 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 the married and weird being the, the bride and to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be only be holy and without blemish. That's how he, he's presenting us. As, as we've been cleaned and we've been reconciled, that we come before God and Jesus says, oh, this one's mine. And he presents us to before God and, and, and we're holy and without blemish. We're blameless. We're, we're faultless. We're above reproach. It's, it's not able to be accused. This word here is, uh, reproach is, is used in Timothy and Titus regarding the deacons and the leadership requirements. That, that you should be, a, a deacon, hello, you know, a pastor up here should be blameless, should he not? I should have a, a certain, I should be above reproach, should I not? I mean, you would hope that. 
you know, if I'm just the, the same guy, like I didn't stumble down here from the British bar down there and come up here and get up on stage and, and teach, right? So, I mean, you'd be like, ah, oh, that's the wrong guy for us today. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. So I should be above reproach. Well, I think it's a Christian requirement too. I think all of us should be above reproach. I think the way that you live your life and the way that you, you work with a certain ethic and that, that you go to school and you have a certain ethic there, that if somebody were to bring something up against you, that somebody would go, nah, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. That can't be. I have a customer-ish that, um, that he says that I told him to leave the dealership or to get off our property. And I used a, a not just a bad word, a really bad word to tell him to get off the dealership, okay? So he's got somebody that'll, that'll say that. Again, it's not against the law to say that. I didn't say it, but it's not against the law. So I don't know why he's, he's, got a, he's all up in arms about that. So I told other people about it. They all laughed. They're like... <laughs> You said that, you know, they're all laughing like, no, they're like, I would have said that to him, but uh, you never would have said that to him. So again, do you, do you have that, do you have that lifestyle where somebody brings something against you and everybody goes, no, not him. If it was me, maybe, or if it was this person, yeah, I believe they would have done that, but no, it's not that guy. You, you've got the wrong run. They got the wrong person. All right. Do you, do you have that within your life? Are you above reproach? And I, and I love the part two, in his sight. See, again, that's just man opinion there. I, I, I want to have, be above reproach for you guys. Because again, I'm in a leadership position. But more importantly, man, I want to be above reproach for the Lord. I want him to look at me and go, dude, you're, you're doing a good job. Hey, there's some areas that we're working on. Don't get me wrong. There's areas in my life I'm working on. But, but he looks at me and goes, good job, Kevin. If indeed you continue in your faith and grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. And you're, you're grounded and you're steadfast. Again, the four things that I always talk about is, is are you in your word? Are you, are you reading every day? Christian, you should be reading every single day. Every day you should be reading. I'm busy. I hear you. But you know what? Again, you, you make time for other stuff. You should make time to be in the Word every single day. How many of you guys eat every day? We all eat every day. Again, if, you, if this is the only time that you're in the Word, y- y'all are going to die soon. Okay, Because you're not feeding yourself. You're not, you're not putting the Word of God. Well, how is anything going to change within your life? If the, if the word of God, which doesn't come back void, is not going into your heart and into your life, then guess what? There's no change. Christian, you need to be diligently reading your word. You need to be praying to God. I mean, again, these are the four things that you need to do to live a victorious Christian life. Okay, again, I can give you the spiel. But the second thing is you've got to pray. Again, I've, I've explained in the past, if I only talk to Christine, okay, on Sunday between 10 and 1130, Right? I don't have a marriage for too much longer, correct? I mean, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way. You know, I, I spend more time with my customers than an hour and a half a week. So that's, that's not a good relationship for the two of us to have. There's no growth. There's no understanding of what's going on in our lives. Fellowship. You have to hang out with other Christians. I'm not saying, again, I've never said to get rid of your old friends. I mean, unless they're taking you down bad roads. But I'm saying is... But you, you need to have that fellowship, that friendship with other Christians so that, again, iron sharpens iron. Well, dude, I'm doing this. I, I've been in Bible studies where guys have called out other guys. Hey, dude, you need to get that out of your house. And I was like, that's strong. 
You know, but that's good. That's what you want. I don't want a friend that goes, oh, yeah, we'll do twice as much. You know, I mean, that's fine. You know, who cares? You're forgiven. Just go for it. Right. No, I don't want that in my life. So, again, so I want somebody in my life that just sharpens me up. It calls me out and says, what is, what is that? What are you doing? And you need to be witnessing. And the witnessing, again, happens automatically if you're living a blameless life. If you're living, if your goal is to live a blameless life. If your goal is to live a life that is of, of unreproachable, correct? Is not moved. To be grounded, steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Not moved, it's, and this is a warning straight out, Christian, is to not be moved. Again, as you, if you understand Again, where, where the Lord is taking you from and what the Lord is doing with you, with you in your life. And, and do not get frustrated that, man, Kevin, again, I, I've prayed for this for a week, five months, six months, and this, this hasn't happened. And I feel like maybe, maybe there's a new, fresh way that I can come in to speak to the Lord. Maybe there's a fresh move. You know, I heard about this thing that's going on over there. And, and again, it's, again, it's not about this church. And we've told you that before, okay? It's, it's about being a Christian. Don't don't move away from the gospel. Don't don't be moved. Stand fast, stand firm in your faith. Do not move from the other wiles and, and information that's out there. Again, this is not following blindlessly and, and as a robot. And again, I've told you before, you need to be wise and you need to have wisdom and you need to have understanding and we, you know, we are excited about science. I mean, again, I've heard people, oh, Christians, they hate science, they just want to be dumb, and no, no. Again, embrace it. Learn all that you can. Be smart. Be knowledgeable. Have understanding. But know where your faith is. Know where your foundation stands. And stand in it. Don't be moved. Don't allow the other things to come into your life and challenge those things and move you from the spot that you're in. It's Christ and Him crucified. Our goal then is to share the mystery and we move into verse 24. It says, 24 says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. When I read this, I think of Galatians 2.20. It says, you know, one of my favorite verses, I say it all the time. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, again, Paul is in jail when he's writing this these letters out and and, and he's suffering for Christ. And and so he looks at this and he's not he's not he's not moved by the suffering for Christ, he's not upset that he's suffering for Christ Christ. He considers it a great privilege. And when he says, you know, to fill up the flesh that was lacking in the afflictions of Christ, he's not saying that there was anything lacking of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Don't take this along that, that Paul has to fill in for something that Jesus wasn't able to accomplish. That's not the word there. Again, it's not a works-based faith that we would work into our life where, oh no, I've got to get beat up to, to have some salvation here. I mean, I, I haven't received any negative input from people today. I, I'm not doing my job. I gotta go out and work for something else. No, it has nothing to do with it at all. He says that I'm coming along and, and these afflictions that I take, man, they just, they add on to what Jesus did. And I, I'm, I'm grateful to take that. 
Suffering for Christ is a great privilege. And, and these sufferings also, they encourage the church as well. Again, Christian, as you go through things in your life, and, and all of us do, those sufferings that you go through and those times of trials and, and all, as you continue to move through those and you walk in a faith with God, now other people are able to look at it and go, oh, it's happening. Let's see how Mr. Christian does. Oh, let's see how Mr. Christian handles getting fired. Oh, let's see how Mr. Christian handles whatever. How's Mr. Christian going to handle it? Are you going to then still walk in a positive light with the Lord? Again, again, you're not a robot. You're not sitting there going, yay, I got fired today. Praise the Lord. Woo. You know, it's not that. There's a time again for sorrow. There's a time for reflection. Again, and then that's all wisdom. That's wise. You are, have emotions, correct? You're not again robots. But again, are you going to be moved? Remember we talked in James as far as the waves would come in and it's the waves of your, of your faith would come in. Do not be like the waves and, ooh, I'm really strong today. And again, as you go to the beach and those waves go back out, oh no, I'm really weak today. Oh no, whoo, I'm really strong today. Are you this Christian? Don't be that Christian. James says, don't be that person. Be that person that is strong within your faith. Oh Lord, I, I, I don't know why I got fired. Maybe you do. Okay. But, you look at it and say, Lord, you, you've got a plan here. You've got an opportunity for me. What is it that we're going to do? God, I, I'm asking you. Because again, in James it says what? If you, if you lacks wisdom, ask of the Lord again. He gives abundantly. He doesn't just give you a little bit, right? He goes, you want wisdom? Bam, I'll give it all to you. I don't care. I'll give you so much that you won't even know what to do with it. As you continue to walk through life, make sure that those those waves of your faith, that they that they stay on the beach. That they're there. They're not going back out to sea and then you're, you're lost again and you're looking around and you start getting tempted by other things and all of a sudden, oh wait, no, here's the Lord. I'm back again. Woo, I'm back again. Verse 26 says, the, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations and, and now has been revealed to the saints. And the mystery here is, is God's plan for providing salvation for mankind through Christ which was once hidden, but is now revealed. More importantly, it's to the Gentiles. Again, as you, you look through the Old Testament, the plan obviously was his chosen nation, right? Again, we understand that. That's the Jewish people, the, the, the Israel. So we understand that. And then at that, some point, he, he continues to talk about, look, I'm going I'm to branch out. I'm going to branch out. And what then happens is then Jesus says, hey, look, I'm out here also for, for us. And then Paul says, look, I want to serve God. I want to serve Jesus. I want to, I want to do that. And, and then he gets chosen to go be the one that goes and reach the Gentiles, which is us, correct? So the important, the mystery here was, again, that Jesus Christ came for us, that we've been grafted into that salvation. Paul says, Colossians, you guys, man, you're, pr- you're proof of this. Again, you're, you're not in, you're not, you're not Jewish, you're not in, you're just in the middle of nowhere, and yet Christ came for you. Christ came so that you would know, and that you would have salvation. Sarasota, we're definitely not near it. But by the work of the Holy Spirit, and by, by those that have come before us, that we have been grafted into it. We have salvation. Verse 27, and the main verse, I think, is, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery of among the Gentiles, 
which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Do you guys live with the hope of glory? Do you guys live that way? There is a glory in what is coming that, that will remove us all from this stuff of life. There's, there's, there's a time that's coming. There will be no more tears. There's no more death. There's no more broken families. There's no more disease. There's no more heartaches. I think that's kind of everybody that has experienced those things within here. And yet again, we get to live for Christ. Again, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And in the life which I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And it's no longer I who live, but I'm going to do everything I can to live for Christ. Why? Because it's the hope of glory. It's the hope. It's something that I'm looking forward to. It's something that I, that I look and, and, and desire. And we get to live a Christ-centered life. We do this, why? Because we remember in verse 21 that we were once alienated. You guys remember that by our wicked works? You guys remember that? That was you at one point? But hopefully that's not you anymore. Hopefully that when Christ has made that point in your life or hopefully today if you've been living off of the track that that Christ then brings you back in and you've been convicted and you're like, you know what, I, I need to get my life back. That there is a hope. Why, why am I so focused on this other stuff and these, these other problems in life when, when, man, really, I need to get back to this? It's Christ inside of me. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ within me so that I, that I can do whatever I can for Jesus Christ, whatever I can to present the gospel, wherever I can to live a life worthy of the gospel. Verse 28, he, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Guys, we get to share the mystery because of who Christ is and what Christ has done. We preach, we announce, we proclaim. You know, just this isn't just the only form of preaching here, right? I mean, you guys can preach on your own. Now, you may not get up and pull out your Bible and have notes and stuff like that, but you can preach, you can, you can announce, you can let others know, you can proclaim it. You can, we warn, we, we, to stimulate, to encourage, to stimulate the great word there is to stimulate. As you warn, you tell people the things that are going on and, and it kind of stimulates their mind. It, it kind of makes them to think it makes them to, to have some kind of reaction. Correct. Again, you're trying to get, if they're, if they're definitely, if they're lukewarm, you're trying to make them to have a decision here. You're cold or hot. We stimulate, we warn. Why? Because we, so that we might present every man perfect in Christ. Verse 29, Paul says, To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Paul says, this is, this is my fuel. This is, what, this is what drives this engine within Paul. He says, to this end I labor, uh, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. Why? That I, I want to. I want to. I want to preach him. I want to tell others about this. And see, that's the same thing that should be within you guys and with us as a church. Is that it should strive us. It should. It should cause something to affect within your life to go. You know what, man? For everything that Christ has done for me, and as we go back to this entire chapter, that He was there before the beginning, as the image of God, and He was willing to do all this for me. 
I want to share this mystery. I want to reach out to others and let them know who Jesus Christ is. I want to let them know the good news. I want to let them know that that their, their destiny can be different. I understand the calling of what Paul has here. And it's the same fuel that's within me that, that makes me have a desire just to bring hope to people that, that don't have hope. To point another direction for people that, that feel like, oh, I'm, I'm hopeless. My life is lost. I'm stuck within this whatever situation because I can't get out of it. Well, yes, you can. I'll finish with this verse. It's in Philippians and we did Philippians a couple months ago and this has kind of been the verse that's been on my mind here for the last six months or so. Philippians 3, 7 through 11, it says, but what things were gained to me, Paul speaking. He's just gone through his his uh, resume of, of who he was. You know, I'm the, the Jew of Jews, the Hebrew of Hebrews. Man, I, I've done it all. I'm, I'm the man as far as anything, okay? I mean, Paul was, he wanted a job in a synagogue. He would just put that in and they'd be like, wow, you're done, you're you're in charge. You know, what else do you want? You know, you get a signing bonus, a couple shekels, something like that. Paul says, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ be found in him not having my own righteousness against not by myself which is from the law but that which is from through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead Christian the reason we do what we do is for the excellence of Christ It's for the excellence of Christ. Why do you live your life? It's for the excellence of Christ. I just desire to know him better. Why do I love my wife? Why do I love my husband? It's for the excellence of Christ. Why do I take care of my kids? It's for the excellence of Christ. Why do I work hard at work and not slack off? It's for the excellence of Christ. Why do I love my neighbor as myself? It's for the excellence of Christ. Why am I willing to do and lose everything? It's for the excellence of Christ. Paul looks at this church and says, do not miss, do not walk away, and do not leave Jesus Christ. Do not allow these people to come in and influence you in a different way. Christian, you need to stay stand fast in your faith. You need to stay firm. You need to know your word. Be like the Bereans. You need to be in prayer. You need to be in fellowship. You need to be sharpening each other so that when these attacks come, that you are ready for them. Because again, why do we do it? It's for the excellence of Christ. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or... Do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717.
3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.